Conversations with my colleague Padmaja are unique always and just like this one where she took on a huge stealth project in UX design for a well mm, stealth project we explored the complexities and various aspects of how UX folk interacted with users in this case some of the best doctors in the world to find time with them learn about cardiology and translate that into designs and collaborations with engineers situated literally all over the world so there's a fair bit to learn from this episode for anyone and especially UX folk so listen on hi padmaja and welcome back to the edge podcast it's wonderful being with you here again today hi chitra it's lovely to be here thanks for having me on as usual so today's topic is uh, yet another episode on user experience but this time we actually wanted to pick your brains a little bit about a lot of work that you and some of the team here at clearly blue have been doing in terms of user experience in healthcare and from what i understood it was a fairly complex project involving you know a whole lot of different kinds of stakeholders users and it came with its own set of challenges so i just wanted to set the stage today for that conversation and would love to hear more about how this project took shape mm-hmm. what were some of your experiences and what is it that you know user experience people can take away from this narrative in terms of working especially in the healthcare sector when you are designing for creators consumers and uh, people in the healthcare sector uh sure fire away i think let's start with a brief background about this project What, sure. What was it all about? So the project uh, started way back in 2019 when one of our uh, prior customers and collaborators, a product engineering firm based out of Bangalore here, uh, approached us uh, to form a consortium and uh, to take on a fairly large scale uh, design and engineering project for a startup in the US the project itself was uh, in the cardiology space where there were some mature players in the space uh, who had deployed a product that was in procedure in the sense it sat in the operating theater with the cardiologists so the whole idea was to develop something that was path breaking and democratizing in that space uh, so we got into the project when i say we i mean me as a in the role of a, a ux program manager of sorts uh, assisting the technology lead uh, as well as two designers from our team and we also pulled in a 3d programmer a 3d modeler and uh, various other people as needed the project lasted from 2019 all the way to about end 2022 when the company we were working for got acquired by a larger biotech player wow that must have been something especially when you said that there are people with so many diverse roles so when you say 
a startup developing path breaking stuff in such a niche market mm-hmm. i'm sure ethnography must have been something that was key to this project so how did you go about doing that absolutely so um, one of the key things initially was to do a lot of user research and ethnography where it involved you know sitting down and talking to these doctors to understand the space and for people coming in from outside the space it was not just medicine uh, or cardiology but a super specialization within cardiac science uh, so it which was a combination of what should i say physics and uh, cardiology so there was a huge learning curve which we combated both by doing user research as well as doing ethnography which means basically going to hospitals both in the us and here in india uh, we observed the doctors in their habitat as they were operating on multiple patients we also went and observed uh, animal trials which were happening with poor science uh, patients basically we interviewed uh, the doctors we interviewed the technicians working with the doctors we interviewed some nurses who worked with the doctors you know uh, almost like a follow me home study uh, where uh, you know a, a typical day in the life of the doctor how they interacted with these patients and how they did the diagnosis how did did the clinical therapy how they did the after therapy uh, procedure review and so on so it was fairly intense the first few months and it formed an integral part of our prep as well as the initial part of the project so how did you navigate some of these conversations and why i'm particularly bringing this question out is many people in the ux space this is the first big hurdle they need to cross mm-hmm. you know starting from even preparing questions mm-hmm. and especially when you are in an environment mm-hmm. which is not familiar to you but mm-hmm. you are there for the purpose of understanding what user needs are mm-hmm. uh, understanding what their challenges and difficulties are mm-hmm. many people many many people in the space of ux find it very difficult to initiate conversations hold a conversation mm-hmm. and let's say in the middle of a conversation you find something interesting you want to probe more of how did this happen how did that happen and why do you think this happens and so on mm-hmm. so how did you navigate some of these conversations and what would you perhaps share as some guidelines mm-hmm. to people in the ux space on how to go about such conversations right if i could uh, use one word to respond to your query chitra it would be very differentially <laughs> and i mean that in all seriousness because you know such a space where there are the subject matter experts are your users uh, almost everybody in the clinical team that we worked with were md phd's in their field with multiple papers to their credit you know conference presentations they were the world's they are the world's best at what they do so the only option available to us as a design and engineering team was to go and ask them to teach us uh, i remember attending and uh, to, uh, getting taught by some of the world's best also means that you work at their uh, level or at you know around their schedule i remember attending a cardiology 101 class at a college campus in the us uh, precisely at midnight because our teacher uh, the professor was free only at that time and he had a procedure to go to at 5 in the morning 
when you know the rest of us were half dead after the <laughs> after the class <laughs> so uh, there was a lot of reading up you know and i would say even now four years into the project i'm probably at layman plus level and they are very they were very kind uh, they were very very accommodating in answering our questions so that is that uh, you know sort of touches upon the second part of what you asked for as to how you initiate such conversations even so i think uh, if we go in from a place of not knowing and if we are not trying to you know if we are not trying to hide it and say that i know next to nothing about your field and can you help me understand most people are very very uh, willing to accommodate and you have to give them the time it cannot be a surface level 20 minute user survey or uh, it cannot be something you know you go with a typical five uh, question questionnaire or something like that and elicit uh, adequate responses so it has to be almost like if you look at our guru shishya parampara like go like a shishya uh, align yourself with them understand what they are talking about it's an immersion and uh, after a few months uh, some things start to unveil themselves you know the veil of ignorance parts and you start seeing some glimmers of light i'm only half joking with all this i it's, there were times when we all felt like that at the same time what happens on the other side is when the first few of us went and did this immersion we are expected to bring others in the project up to speed very speedily they don't have the luxury of you know all the months that we spent immersing ourselves so then when it came to my designers my team uh, the methodology i adopted was to tell them just what they need to know to be effective because we didn't have the luxury of having them come in and then spend months again and you know talk to the subject matter experts so as the uh, design leader it was my duty often times to translate what was complex make it you know simple and have the design team uh, come out with effective prototypes and wireframes so there were uh, both these dimensions were at play wow that sounds very extensive and intensive as well Yes. I'm sure you must have uh, had to go deep. Yeah. And having to translate that to your team. But my question is, you said you had engineers, mm-hmm. and in some sense, you had to translate what you were doing to the engineers as well. Mm-hmm. How did one actually go about setting up the entire engineering team? I mean, uh, the designers plus engineers and everyone associated in the creation of this product. How did that happen? So. the uh, engineering firm product engineering firm that we went in uh, with as the uh, partner in the consortium had some very senior leaders who were technically very sound and they handled the you know did all the heavy lifting but as the uh, ux team on record uh, like you said uh, part of the onus fell on us to help translate the uh, clinical requirements into actual user needs and then for that to flow into features and that to get into the backlog and so on so what we did was we relied heavily on uh, specs user interface specs and stories and things like that so our uh, partner the engineering partner had a very good and uh, solid team in terms of the the data uh, you know the back end space the back end engineers were very solid in terms of the front end engineering since our need was for something very niche and very cutting edge uh, we looked outward we looked at uh, recruiting uh, from uh, talent across the world for this project we have worked with uh, front end uh, programmers from uh, armenia peru 
France and Russia as far as my knowledge goes to execute this and as always or most of the times uh, it happens with startups we were under in stealth mode we could not reveal much detail however we wanted this front end done even you know starting with our POC and that is when we resorted to anonymizing our user specs uh, so i remember very well that for our POC uh, we worked with a french programmer we took our spec and we uh, moved it to from the cardiology space to the geospatial space uh, we changed all the terminology from the language of the heart to the language of the earth <laughs> and uh, we nicknamed it project eiffel the spec and we released it and we got the poc executed wow so it was very cool yeah so looking I back i don't know what we were thinking of but <laughs> it worked it worked i so. think there's some serious lessons there for startups operating in stealth as well yeah. if people are going to listen to you know this conversation i think you've given them a very handy tip so given the geographical spread and you know the complexity of time zones and stuff that we already know i can't help but ask this question how you know when it comes to good teams or effective teams we always say that uh, designers and uh, developers and everyone else should be co-located right obviously not possible in this case so what were some of the things that you all did as a team to make sure that your handoffs were clean uh the acceptance criteria were met and people were basically the relationship or the working relationship between designers and developers was was good and things were flowing as smoothly as possible what did you do to facilitate all that right so chitra as as i told you uh, the timeline for this project was 2019 onwards uh so 2020 uh, we saw this go global act of god called covid intervene prior to that in 2019 uh, a bunch of us traveled to the us and uh, we did a lot of uh, you know in person interaction with our clinical teams the subject matter experts as well as with the business teams and uh, the data architects and so on so things were going swimmingly along well um, you know we did find the french programmer to help us with the front end and he uh, signed the nda and got into our team and we were able to uh, get him into uh, you know the real spec so to speak when covid happened and all of us were forced to start working remotely even those of us who were locally uh, located in bangalore so uh, the tools as you may expect some of them were typically you know the communication piece of it uh daily scrum calls uh, without fail we attended we were expected to attend a lot of uh, intensive writing in the form of specs in the form of user stories uh in particularly in the form of uh, prototypes and mocks when it comes to the front end so uh, we discovered along the way that our clinicians responded better to uh, high fidelity prototypes than to wireframes so we used uh, we would jump in almost immediately into mocks once we decided in uh, when a feature came up our priority list if there was a user interface element to it and uh, we demoed the mocks to the clinicians got their sign off then did a mock walk through with the engineering teams and uh, post the build or the release 
uh, we would sit to almost look at flow and ui compliance on the build we played that part as well as part of the uh, qa team so i would say it was a matter of uh, intense uh, communication almost to the point of over communication reliance on visual prototypes and a lot of user stories feature prioritization exercises and so on well I, it's almost that people in the team i think probably had to go above and beyond their normal call of duty Yeah, yeah. Right? In fact, uh, I would say, and probably this will resonate with many other teams which were forced to be remotely located during the COVID years. We actually became quite close as a team. <laughs> you know, few of us fell sick in this journey. We lost one of our uh, senior team members to COVID. All of that happened, and uh, we had not met each other uh, for I think two years or something like that. Yet uh, there was a feeling of closeness that developed along the way. uh because we used to stare at each other through a zoom screen almost every day so and the our leader uh, the ceo of our uh, client um he insisted on cameras on for most many of the meetings <laughs> so that probably helped too so what is it uh, you said that you know some of the clinicians responded better to high fidelity prototypes rather than mm-hmm. wireframes yeah why was that that was a very curious and interesting uh, finding so i think when we work on a typical project we often times uh, use wireframes as the first point of design where we know you know we we rely on it to sort of delineate our flows and we look at uh, you know content categorization or chunking in the wireframes and so on but for the average person it does require a leap of faith to sort of visualize how that wireframe will ultimately look like uh, what we found was that uh, doctors are all about efficiency. efficiency uh, their time is valuable and they really can't waste the time or bandwidth if we tell them this is a wireframe visualize it as a screen and all that they don't buy into that and they the kind of responses you get when you show wireframes are very poor in the sense it could be almost you know silence from the other end on the other hand when we showed them a high fidelity mock it could even be an imprecise flow but we it would elicit a lot of response i think the other factor here also was like i said we were not first to market with our uh, product we were i think fourth or fifth to market but we had some pretty path breaking algorithms features uh, user experiences and so on so they had already been conditioned by what they had been using and uh, comparing our wireframes versus something that is already sitting in the operating theater was a no go so that is why we relied on uh, mocks and we found uh, you know a lot we, we got a lot of response from the mocks how did these doctors actually how were you able to show them these mocks uh, i'm sure they must have been used to uh, when, when looking at things actually happening mm-hmm. uh, how were they able to relate to what you were potentially showing them in terms of the product and the mocks what was that like well so like i said the mocks were all high fidelity um so they mimicked what these people actually saw in the operating theater with their current products so you will be surprised you know we showed them some early mocks of what we thought we were pretty you know full of ourselves thinking we have touched upon all the features they wanted we put together what we thought was a complete mock we did a click through demo and we're like you do this you do this you all of and then one of the doctors piped up with but where's my pointless viewer you know it was a crucial feature in the entire thing which they had not even mentioned all these days 
and it had come up in our competitive analysis of other products but we did not realize how important it was and these were things so when we mimicked what was out there in the real world we realized one thing that you know even when we are coming up with new experiences a new paradigm in showing things and so on some of these standard garden variety flows and visuals they did not want any interference in that i'll give you one small example so we had a legend you know we were showing some maps of the cardiac space and uh, things like that we had a legend that would help the user orient themselves in that world and uh, we came up with what we thought was a very nice fancy legend which itself was a 3 three dimensional uh, model of a heart and so on but when we went out in the field uh, the doctors were so used to like a caricature face as a legend or a cut off torso that they would have none of it they didn't want anything to do with our fancy uh, thing so the response 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 always show something and see how they respond and tweak Uh, that was the model that we found was most successful for us so roughly how often you know did you go back with so this is this is i think classic iterative yeah. development and i'm just wondering didn't the doctors ever run out of patience with the fact that you're like coming back to them periodically how how did you manage that because you can't at least in my experience in a lot of product development you can't keep going back to the customer and saying hey is this what you're looking for is this what you're looking for kind of a thing yeah. so how did that and given the fact that they're so constrained for time yeah yeah so that was the beauty of it and i think i must give full credit to our uh, clients uh, who built the team so we had an empanel team of four or five doctors working with us and they made time for us uh, often times it would be in between procedures they usually attended the weekly calls sometimes we caught wow. them on weekends when uh, they did not uh, and what we did was since there was a panel of about 5 of them we would have like a clinical team representative who would speak for the team some one or the other would uh, attend our calls and uh, i think uh, hats off to them they were fully engaged with us for the duration of 3 3 and a half years we got a lot of valuable feedback from them about what may work what may not work and so on Yeah, I think that's a beautiful uh, example of a great partnership, and uh, absolutely, I would say an unusual one at that. Yeah. Because in my mind, as you were talking, I was just wondering, you know, doctors are so busy; they barely have time for anything. And here you are trying to build a product. It's I think wonderful to see that you had a core team that was. I think they saw the value of what you were trying totally. to do, isn't it? Totally, they were very invested in the success of the product. because uh, i mean i can speak to the uh, user interface and user experience dimensions but there was a lot of uh, underlying you know the algorithmic work where uh, they were trying to we built something very pathbreaking in terms of the algorithms the metrics and so on in which they participated very intensely as well that's that's really nice to hear very heartening to hear so just before the close of this conversation something that we usually do on this podcast is any advice for ux designers and researchers based on this experience that you would like to share so when designing for healthcare i would say it's all about efficiency uh, while you know when we design for a typical uh, you know consumer internet or even if we're looking for a saas product or something like that here it's not about you know the cool trending colors or the uh, best icons or uh, things like that 
what we designed was very much a desktop application we had to resort to what uh, were probably like garish colors in our uh, palette and mood board because it was an in procedure product where everything is in dark mode and the uh, contrast had to be very vivid so that they could make uh, split second decisions you know they made decisions by looking at what's on the screen so there had to be you know the the alerts had to be really red the legends had to be in contrasting colors and uh, information hierarchy was very very important because what you presented on the screen uh, allowed them to make decisions about therapy so you had to pay a lot of attention to efficiency about what you see on the screen i think that and the other is the fact that we were working like i said before with subject matter experts who were you know that that science is totally uh, different from what we know or even experience in the day to day uh so you have to do your due diligence in terms of reading up on the books the blogs the cardiology websites uh, even if you approach them saying that you know nothing it always helps to do your homework and learn a little bit about the space i think that go- that's true for any space you can't just say okay i'm a designer and here are my tools and i'll do stuff it just doesn't work that way in my opinion thank you i think this is really valuable insights and a fantastic project that we got to talk about today so a big thank you from us padmaja and i hope we can have more such engaging conversations down the line thank you so much chitra i enjoyed it a lot too subscribe to the edge podcast on your favorite podcast channel we are on google itunes spotify stitcher and more if you like this episode please share it with your friends if you have stories to share and want to be featured on our podcast write to us at podcasts@adepticlabs.com at